Hi, everybody. Travis Frank here with a holiday gift idea that might just be the greatest gift you can give a loved one, especially a mentor in your life or a young child. I'm talking about a lifetime hunting or fishing license. Heck, you can even get them both. That's what my wife and I did for our two boys. We saved up and got them each a lifetime sportsman license when they were five and six years old. Just last week, my entire family pitched in to get our nephew a lifetime sportsman license this year for Christmas. It's the gift that keeps giving for the rest of their life. If they move out of Minnesota, that's okay. Their license is always valid when they come back. If license prices go up, that's okay. Their license is already purchased. When I say forever, I mean forever. And just think about all of the memories they'll be making on the water, in the fields, and in the woods. The process to obtain this license is very simple. Just head to the Minnesota DNR website and search for lifetime licenses. You'll see all of the licenses available and the information needed to order them. This year, instead of purchasing a gift that will go out of style or get tossed in the dumpster, get your loved one a gift that lasts forever. Share the outdoor passion this holiday season. One day, they might just tell you it's the greatest gift they ever received. Hi, everybody. Ron Shera back with you again for another episode of a Minnesota Bound podcast, the story behind the stories. And I have a very special guest with me today. His name, Mark Holston. If that sounds familiar to you, Mark is a former legislator in the Minnesota legislature. And Mark also is a former DNR commissioner, the top guy. But we're going to talk to Mark today about related topic. He is also uh, the executive director of a fairly new fishing organization formed about three, four years ago called MinFish, M-N-Fish. And uh, we're going to talk about Mark's involvement with MinFish. Mark, thanks for joining me today. No, thanks for having me, Ron. Well, listen, you've had a varied career in public service, as I mentioned, legislature, uh, DNR commissioner, the probably the hottest seat in state government. Uh, <laughs> what, what were you commissioner for about eight years? You know, I, I served as deputy for four uh, for Jean Miriam, and then uh, I became commissioner in 2007 through 2011. So four years, I was full commissioner. All right. Well, you know, as, but go ahead. What were you going to say? No, I was just going to say is the deputy. You get all of the. Uh, all of the trappings of commissioner without the, without the title. <laughs> so. you, you get to do all the things the commissioner does not want to do, right? <laughs> Many of those things, yes. <laughs> well, listen, uh, Minfish uh, was formed, and I, just for open transparency, I've got to say that I was one of the founders of Minfish and actually uh, still on the board and uh, an officer of Minfish. So I'm kind of uh, asking some questions here that I already know, but Mark, uh, Minfish was was formed uh, about three four years ago to be a voice for anglers in the legislature and with uh, DNR. And you joined us uh, uh, early last year. Uh, what 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 did you see in Minfish that brought you uh, to joining uh, the organization as our executive director? You know, back in the day as as commissioner and and then watching these last 10 years after I was gone, the one thing that was, was always noticeable was that lack of voice in the room. Um, whenever we were talking hunting issues, there was the Minnesota deer hunters, there was the Pheasants Forever, the, the Ducks Unlimited organizations out there representing 
not just species specific, but then again, the habitat needs for greater species throughout the state. Um, on the angling side, yeah, you had organizations who were on the fishing side, like uh, the Bass Federation or uh, Muskie's Inc. or Trout Unlimited. They would always be very focused in on the specifics of their species and trying to make sure that resources and policies got drilled in on those species. We didn't have an organization that had a broader view, a broader look at fish management in the state. Anglers were really kind of left to themselves, left to their own demise. Um, and, and that lack of voice, clear voice, strong voice, both with the DNR and with the legislature, really became evident as the legislature, in my eyes, have changed over these last two decades. How did they change? You know, there's a, when I served back in the 90s, I was, I spent a lot of time with former legislators who were, you know, they were legislators in the 70s and the 80s. And there was this ethic that the legislature had about making sure Minnesotans could access their resources, that they had the ability to access the lakes or access their state parks. So access was a big thing in their mind and always funded those types of outdoor recreational components. They also understood you had to take care of the fundamentals of, of the fishing system. So we invested in hatcheries often. Um, that ethic, right, that, that foundation, founding principle, somewhere disappeared. Um, and what I was seeing, what Minfish showed me, was a, a 10-year lapse over the, starting in about 2012-ish, a period of time where the, the, there were no investments being made by the legislature into our public water access systems or into our state hatchery systems. That's a remarkable, that's it's a remarkable discovery uh, when you think about it, Mark, because um, outside of our fishing license money and some federal excise tax money, our state legislature, our state general fund, which is the money we, we taxpayers put in there, none of it is used to maintain or support or increase uh, the fishing industry. I mean, it's just, when you think about it, you go, you're just baffled. Yeah. And so when I make that statement, Ron, um, people, they, they, they immediately question me because, yes, there are license fees and that maintains the division of fisheries and enforcement. And there are boat access fees. And that is designed or was designed many, many years ago to be the, the fundamental or the, the, the very bare minimum dollars needed to maintain the system. So when you have an event like at a public water access where the, the boat ramp gets heaved up by spring ice or the dock gets broken up from ice or from use, um, those were things that the legislature used to invest extra dollars in or extra dollars into the hatchery systems. That's what I'm talking about. The, the revenues generated from the fishing industry, which is about $4.4 billion a year. That's, that's 
the economic impact that fishing has in Minnesota, that generates over $300 million in revenue every year to the state that the state gets to utilize in schools and roads and prisons. But yet they never seem to find these last 10 years the ability to invest back into the fishing industry. Do you think it's also uh, uh, this happens because as time has gone by, and I, I have no evidence to prove this, but fewer and fewer legislators are what they might call anglers themselves. So this is not a big thing for them. You know, it's hard to know. Um, we don't really have that. Uh, that isn't one of usually one of the questions asked of candidates when they're running for office. No, so we're, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you like to watch a um, bobber. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we don't really know exactly how many of them, um, how many of them do actually have a fishing license in fish? We find out through our courses of conversations with them. Um, so I think there are more than we think, but not as many as I think there used to be. I think that's a fair assessment. You know, Governor Walz said something to me uh, last May that he said, uh, if you don't raise a little ruckus over there with the legislature, if you don't reach out to them and uh, whine or bitch or whatever, they tend to think uh, you as a you fishermen are all happy with the way things are. And so they don't give you any attention. Well, I think it's part of our nature as anglers. We spend, you know, we spend all week or all day trying to get ready, but we're always thinking about fishing. And we're in a hurry to get in our boat, hook our boat up to the truck and drop it into the lake and get out on the lake and enjoy that time. We don't want to spend time thinking about the problems that are going on inside the fisheries. Um, we kind of want to just focus on why am I not catching fish or what do I have to do to catch fish? Yeah. I've, I've said this to several anglers when I start talking to them about why men fish was formed and what we're trying to do. I said, you know, we anglers are, we're fond of sitting around trying to figure out how to catch a walleye more effectively when in St. Paul, we're actually getting screwed by the legislature and we don't even know it because we're just thinking about how to catch a fish. I think there's no, some truth to I think that. I think you're right, Ron. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, Mark, I'm going to take a short break here, but um, when we come back, we'll talk some more about uh, uh, menfish and the issues that it has identified and what it's been trying to do so far in the legislature. And uh, we can't also forget to talk about uh, anybody interested in fishing out there, how to join menfish. So we'll get to those things uh, right after this break. Most people agree that we need to lower our carbon footprint while providing reliable and affordable energy. A diverse energy mix will provide reliability and affordability, which is extremely important during Minnesota's four distinct seasons. Fortunately, a clean energy solution for tomorrow is available today. That's ready to work alongside with other energy sources, and it's propane. Propane produces 43% fewer emissions than electricity generated from the U.S. grid. Propane is energy stored on site and independent from the vulnerabilities of the grid. And propane's benefits don't end there. Major advances are being made today for renewable propane that is compatible with the traditional propane and requires no additional infrastructure investments. 
Minnesota needs to use all our low-carbon alternatives, including propane, to safely provide energy, reliability, resiliency, and affordability. Propane, the right energy right now. To find out more about what propane can do for you, visit propane.com. Our good friends at Connecticut. Yep, Connecticut Water. You know already how much my family loves Connecticut. We have it in our home, and this summer we added it to cabin life up north. And oh boy, what a difference. You see, for as long as I can remember, we have always dealt with cabin water. You know, that stinky, foul well water. But after really a painless four-hour installation, we had Connecticut soft water in the cabin and also Connecticut's K5 drinking system. No more bottled water to try and make coffee in the morning. Great drinking water right out of the K5 tap. The laundry, it smells great now. And the Connecticut water cleaned up both our showers and also our dishes. The world's most effective worry-free water system. Visit Connecticut.com to find a dealer near you and join the Connecticut family just like the Shirks did. Hewitt Docks, Lifts, and Pontoon Legs began in a small south-central Minnesota town with a mission to make dock install and removal easier by inventing the Rolla Dock. Well, now the company has evolved to provide everything you might need to improve your lake time. In addition to the classic Rolla Dock or the new Ultra Dock system, Hewitt offers all-terrain staircases, gangways, canopies, and lifts, along with any accessory you might need. Celebrate 50 years of business with us. Go to HewittRad.com to enter for a chance to win a free dock and monthly prizes. Hewitt Docks, lifts, and pontoon legs. Work hard, play harder. You deserve a Hewitt. Well, welcome back to the Minnesota Bound Podcast. Ron Shera here with you. My special guest, Mark Holston, who is at this moment uh, the executive director of MNFISH, MN-FISH. It's a new organization, new relatively three or four years ago that was organized to give anglers a voice in the legislature and uh, with uh, DNR to some degree. And uh, Mark is a former legislator and former DNR commissioner, so he's well uh, well trained <laughs> for this job. Uh, uh, Mark, I think uh, might be for the first time last year in the legislature, Minfish hired some lobbyists uh, to uh, get some bonding money for hatcheries and public boat accesses, and and of course the legislature went home without passing a bonding bill, almost a. Uh, never before happened kind of a thing, but uh, uh, minfish is not going away. What what do you see? That's, those issues are still out there? You know, the issues that we brought last year are, we're continuing on those those issues, which were, our biggest focus is on getting the necessary dollars to begin the reconstruction of our state hatchery system. So we have 15 hatcheries in Minnesota that serve uh, you know, cold water species like trout. Then you have, uh, and then you have the other hatcheries that serve walleye, northerns, muskies. Um, they'll they'll dabble into other species or have in the past, like sturgeon and catfish. Um, but they're they're focused primarily on those species of of walleyes, uh, northerns, and muskies. Well. So that, that we're focused on that, that in getting that system that is fundamentally archaic. I mean, many of these were built in the 40s and 50s, some in the 60s. 
and they haven't had any major reinvestments in them. They've the DNR has been able to use some of their game and fish money from your license fees uh, or some other monies that they've had for facilities that they've, they've been able to go in and, you know, patch the roof. But we're talking about reconstructing or rebuilding a state of the art hatcheries throughout the state of Minnesota to meet. And we're really trying to meet the next generation of anglers needs. We also have a lot of lakes, as we all know, and we have a lot of boat accesses. Um, I think DNR manages more than a thousand of them. Counties and cities also handle some, and a lot of those least state-owned boat accesses or county-owned, uh, they're not getting much for money either. Um, so Minfish tried to change that, right? Well, correct, and you know, like I said earlier, you're. Your boat registration fee does take care of, you know, the basic maintenance of putting the dock in and taking it out in, uh, in the spring and fall and putting the porta potty there. But after that, there's really not any money to do major rehab or reconstruction. You know, the one thing that we noticed is that in the, in the boat industry, we've seen a change from 14 and 16 foot Lund style rowboats to now 18, 20, 22 foot uh, large, large boats that are now utilizing these facilities. And they weren't designed for that. They weren't built for that. They weren't placed in those parts of the lake to accommodate those size of boats and motors. So it's a challenge to get the resources to rebuild. I think the, I think the number is around 16 or 1700 public water accesses in the state. You know, you mentioned earlier, um, well, our boat registration money was initially uh, created by the legislature to, to fix and maintain these public boat accesses. But what we found over time, uh, when suddenly they wanted more law enforcement on the water, legislature looked around and said, oh, we have this water recreation account, uh, which was your boat registration money. Let's take it out of there. Okay, that works. Then along came invasive species, and they looked around again and said, where can we find some money for invasive species? Oh, boaters, uh, their boat registration money, we can take it out of there. And to make a long story short, by the time all these hands were in that account, uh, it left very little uh, for what it was intended for. That was to improve boat accesses or create new ones. And we also learned there's a boat access just outside of Garrison, south of Garrison. There are little ways a lot of people know where it is. Uh, needs a lot of repair. And I was stunned to know that was like a $1 million bill to fix one boat access. They're not cheap. Yeah. They're, they're not cheap to reconstruct. Um, you know, and many of them don't need to be fully reconstructed, but they do need fresh gravel. They do need grading occasionally, or the ramp needs to be, you know, new new concrete ramps need to be put in place. But then there are others on some of our major lakes, our bigger lakes, um, where those, they just need to be a major overhaul and redesigned uh, to meet the needs and meet the pressures. Uh, well, Mark, as we're chatting here, it's uh, just a few days before the year 2023. And uh, another legislature is going to be convening in January 2023. Uh, what's Minfish's plans? Uh, are we going to uh, 
hit those same issues, add some issues or go away? Or what are we going to do? You know, we we're we're hitting the same issues of, of getting those dollars for hatcheries, getting those dollars for public water accesses. Um, we're expanding into shore fishing and fishing piers because, the, you know, not everybody owns a boat. And, you know, kids in particular have the opportunity to be able to go shore fishing uh, on neighborhood lakes or neighborhood fishing areas. So that's an important piece that we need to recognize we have to make some investments in or get the state to reinvest again into shore fishing and fishing pier opportunities. Um, but then we've got some other things that are that are brewing out there that we need to pay attention to. Um, one is this: the Asian carp coming up the Mississippi. Um, the DNR is, I, I believe they're getting ready to tell us what the management plan is. We don't know exactly what that is, but we're we're paying close attention to that. Um, you know, those are probably three or four of the big ones out right on the top of my head that we're focused on. But this is going to be, Ron, a challenging session. We've got so many new members that we don't know anything about. New, and, uh, new, uh, new legislators, you mean, right? We've got a, yeah, we've got a fundamentally a new legislature in that um, we had so many retirements that occurred where we knew who the major players, the seniority of the legislature has significantly changed and new people, which isn't a bad thing, are going to be the leaders of these committees like the Environment Finance Committee, uh, Environment Natural Resource Policy Committee. There's going to be new people, uh, which is good. It's a set of fresh eyes that we get to bring these issues to. Um, but then there are just so many new legislators that we don't know what their interests are. Um, so we're going to have to go and do a lot of re-education that we did over the last two and three years with the legislature, getting them ramped up to speed to what the issues that we're talking about. We have to start all over, start anew, and re-educate uh, a new group of people. I guess the only good news about that is that we're not the only ones that have to do that. A lot of uh, organizations and others uh, lobbyists, et cetera, et cetera, are going to have to do the same thing. Um, and so MinFish will continue uh, hiring lobbyists, I think, as I mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. um, because this is the game you got to play over there, as I understand it. Well, it, you need people who can be there every day. And that's that's the the nature of the beast, is having a lobbyist there who can, they're there every day interacting and with legislators and the le the lobbyists share with themselves who's who's who and what are their interests. So they spend a lot of the time doing that field work, so to say, of, of who are the legislators we need to start talking to and developing a relationship with. You know, there's another issue out there that MinFish is uh, slowly getting its uh, hands into or uh, sometimes we get pushed into these things, but it does. It's not a very romantic issue. Uh, speaking of uh, what could be a minnow shortage and minnow issues uh, by uh, bait dealers in this state, and um, uh, not that we have the answers, but Menfish has been working to facilitate conversations between DNR and minnow raisers and minnow dealers, um, and that'll be a big issue coming up, I think. You know, I well, we don't know where it's gonna ha what 
what's going to come of it. But in, it was really eye-opening for me. One of our board members, Tom Newstrom from Grand Rapids, uh, set it up a meeting. He facilitated a meeting between the minnow trappers, the wholesalers, and the retailers, minnow dealers, um, and the and the DNR. And we had a high level meeting uh, back in the fall to discuss bring the issue to the agency who really isn't looking at the minnow industry and what's going on there and what their problems are because they're focused on managing the lakes, right? Mm-hmm. And their hatcheries. So what's going on in the industry of minnow collection and distribution and sales wasn't something that was on their radar very much. It was enlightening to me how fragile our, our bait system has become. Um, we've lost a lot of minnow, wholesale minnow dealers, a lot of trappers that, you know, we just take for granted that they're out there, but they're, they're diminishing in numbers. And then they they started talking about the issues that they're having and the difficulty for whatever reason. And it's not one, it's a variety of different issues that are really compressing their ability to collect minnows. Yeah, it was more complicated than I thought. And each of these uh, little, they are small businesses and, um, but they provide a great service. If you want to try to catch a walleye in May with a, uh, spot tail shiner it's somebody else has to catch it and bring it to you so you can buy it so there you go mm-hmm. mark we're going to take a little short break again when we come back we'll uh, uh, talk about uh, how to join minfish if folks are interested and in, uh, what you see on the horizon for uh, uh, where minfish can go uh, in their role as trying to represent anglers and we're not trying to be fish biologists as i know but uh See where what your vision is for, for minfish as we uh, start a new year here. I'm visiting with uh, Mark Olson, Executive Director of Minfish. I'm Ron Cheryl. I'll be back right after these messages. I want to give a shout-out to our friends at the Minnesota Historical Society. You know, right now, the Minnesota History Center is presenting Sherlock Holmes, the exhibition. You can actually step into Victorian London and explore the world of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's world-famous detective. You get to learn about the powers of observation, deduction, and science while solving an interactive mystery. Sounds like a ton of fun. Visitors can also try hands-on gadgets and experiments based on real forensics. See how Sherlock Holmes and the stories have influenced real detectives and also pop culture. Open. Now through April 4th. Learn more at mnhs.org slash Sherlock MN. Hi there, Ron Shera here for Star Bank. If you're putting your money into mega banks down the street, who knows where that money's being used? Bank locally. Keep your money local with a community bank that actually cares about you, your family, your business, and your goals. Check out the bank we use at Minnesota Bound. Try Minnesota's own Star Bank. You can find them online at starbank.net. When you call Star Bank, you actually hear a real living person answering the phone. 
StarBank has 10 convenient locations around Minnesota to serve you and all the mobile banking products that you need to manage your money. Check out all that StarBank has to offer at StarBank.net. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. It's time to plan your fall hunt in North Dakota. Get this, with an estimated 3.4 million breeding ducks, North Dakota's central region is prime habitat for hunting waterfowl. In fact, right now, the state's breeding duck index sits 38% above the long-term average. And the water's up, too. The spring water index is up 616% over 2021. That's a good thing. Now, when you consider that North Dakota has approximately 700,000 acres of private land open to public walk-in hunting, guess what? You've got an outdoor oasis. For the latest information about public hunting lands and private land open to sportsmen and women, visit North Dakota Game and Fish Department. Bag your limit this fall in North Dakota. Visit LegendaryND.com. Hi, welcome back for the uh, final edition here of uh, Minnesota Bond Podcast. Uh, if you're just joining us, my special guest, Mark Holston, Executive Director of MinFish, MN-FISH, uh, an or angling organization. And uh, Mark is a former uh, legislator and former DNR commissioner. And uh, so he's he's had his feet in the water of <laughs> in hot water before. Mark... Uh, uh, looking ahead, I mean, Fish, we talked about the issues in the legislature. We're trying to uh, trying to push, trying to get some money for uh, old hatcheries, getting money to fix up public boat accesses, uh, uh, helping uh, DNR and mineral raisers get together and discuss their issues and fix their issues, I should say. But looking ahead in the new year, uh, where do you see Minfish going with all of this? You know, Ron, that's a great question, and one of the I, I would caution people um, to who look at minfish. We're going to be singing the same tune for a long time because it takes a very, very long time to one get the legislature to react to our issues. So let's just talk about hatcheries or public accesses. We're going to be at the legislature working this legislative session that we won't know the fruit of our labors until June. That's seven months, six, seven months out from now. Mm -hmm. Then the money has to be appropriated. So the, the DNR won't have access to that money until later in the summer of this fall. So getting plans, engineering studies, permits pushes you off into 2024, possibly even 2025 before any ground is really being broke. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you're right. So we're going to be singing the same song, and uh, this isn't an overnight. You're not going to make changes overnight. Uh, no. And, and so I, it's, it's important for people to realize and, and be patient, one, with minfish, but patient with this, us saying a lot of the same things over these years because we're in this for – when I say the long haul, we want our hatchery system to be redesigned and rebuilt to today's standards. That's good. 15 hatcheries don't get rebuilt overnight. And we, don't, we can't do that to our, our hatchery system because we need to have them up and running through the construction seasons. 
So it has to be done over a multiple periods of time, multiple legislative sessions. So it's it's going to be about one getting a a, a good, really solid foundation with the legislature and with the DNR to know that we're there and have the best interest of anglers and the and the fishery in place so that we can be that reliable voice for them. You know, when Minfish started, um, we had a lot, a lot of issues popped up and uh, some we toyed with, we talked about, but we settled on the hatchery issue because... As you mentioned, a lot of the a lot of our state hatcheries were built in nineteen fifties and haven't been fixed up much at all. We talked about public boat accesses and et cetera, et cetera. So those were our, our two big issues. But we also have other issues that other anglers ask us to get involved in, and then if we don't, we're somehow bad actors. But for example, there was a big push to have two line fishing in Minnesota versus one line. And the DNR opposes this, uh, contending that uh, that just simply increases the fishing pressure. Although you could argue we have fish limits that are supposed to limit the fishing pressure. Uh, but we've kind of not delved into that. Um, uh, another one was uh, uh, changing the walleye limit to four from six. And uh, that was proposed in the legislature, didn't go anywhere. And so... Some of our board members say, let's not take on fights that we can't win necessarily. Um, even though we might agree with two lines, maybe we don't. I don't know. Our board really never have taken a vote on those things. But we tend to, uh, a lot of anglers come to us and say, hey, why don't you help us with these things? And so it's sort of a, a thin ice uh, position sometimes. Well, it is, Ron, and, and I guess my advice to the board has been and will continue to be that we focus on the big picture of what's important to the state fisheries. And what I mean by that is, what are the things that we're going to be able to do that influences the ability for you and I to catch a fish that's in the lake? Um, not how I catch it. So my time at the legislature and my time at the DNR taught me is that you only have so much political capital. And if you start spending that capital on issues that aren't of the primary nature, yes, then you start getting down into the tyranny of the many. And it... It's not that our board, you know, there was a great discussion back in the spring about four, the four fish walleye limit. And I think our board would largely be okay with a four fish limit. But, but what we talked about in that board meeting was how should that four fish limit come about? Do we really, really want 201 legislators who don't know anything about fish management making the decision how many fish we should catch. Exactly. Or or have our professional biologists who are, that is their job. They spend day in and day out looking at and forecasting what's going on in the lakes and what's what is the fishing pressure and catch rates and what's sustainable. And they want us to have high quality fishing opportunities. They want our lakes to be at the highest quality that they can be. 
And so if they're not coming forward and saying, we should change the limit to four, MIMFISH as an organization isn't going to step into that debate. We're going to stay focused on the big stuff that influences fishing and making fishing better in the future. Yeah, well put. I think MIMFISH's goal is to follow the science, so to speak. Um, But sometimes questioning the science, that's all right, too. Uh, but well, that's important. Yeah, I, if I follow some of the issues like the walleye limit change, there are probably just as many anglers who said no, keep it at six, as those that said keep it at four or change it to four. And there's probably just as many anglers that say no, keep keep one line fishing. I want to go two lines. Blah blah blah. So uh, even among anglers, we couldn't decide um, uh, where to f- land here on those issues. But uh, I like what you said about we kind of. Keep the big picture in mind. Mark, I'm just about out of time here. Uh, I do want to say also uh, another big picture idea is that somehow, somehow, our governor, our legislators have to understand that they have to reinvest in our fishing industry because we're not doing it. And uh, it's shameful. I mean, you, you can't run a business that way. You can't keep fishing going uh, with just uh, asking anglers to to keep buying fishing licenses, or or actually ask them to pay more for a fishing license, because uh, you you know the state is not using their general funds to improve fishing. But before we go, uh, Mark, um, uh, tell us a little bit about how to join Minfish if you'd like. You know, if you're interested in joining Minfish, the easiest way to do it would be go to minfish.com. So mn-fish.com. And right there is our web page where you can go in and click on our, our membership page. And that'll take you right into how to become a member. You can do it online. It's easy and it's an easy way for you to get involved. And we're going to need the angler's support as we move forward. This is This is not a cheap endeavor that we're... <laughs> Ron, as you know, we're running this organization on a volunteer basis, and the resources that we have, we are really trying to drive into influencing the future of fishing into the future, but we don't have a lot of resources. So we need people to step up and become a member and become informed with the issues that we're, that we're raising to the legislature. Very good. Mark Holston, Executive Director of MinFish, MN-FISH, with me today. Thank you, Mark, for your uh, hard work uh, on behalf of anglers. And so that about does it for this Minnesota Bound Podcast. Did I say podcast? Well, that's sort of appropriate. I meant to say podcast. The stories behind the stories brought to you by Connecticut Water Treatment Systems. We also would like to thank the Minnesota Historical Society, Minnesota Propane Association, Hewitt Docks, North Dakota Tourism, and my favorite bank, Star Bank. Until next time, don't forget to introduce the kid to the great outdoors. I'm Ron Shera. Mm-hmm.